0: And inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
1: serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time.
2: And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, August 29th, 2023, the feast of St. Joseph Calasans. He was born in 1557 in the castle of Calasans near. Peralata de la Calasanz in the kingdom of Aragon. That's pretty cool. Imagine being born in a castle. He was called to Rome in 1592 by our Lord. I wish that God would just appear to me and tell me where to go and instruct him to leave Spain and head to Rome. While in Rome, Saint Joseph was taken under the protection of Cardinal Marcon Antonio. Man, these Italian names. And became the Cardinal's theologian. He started working in charity work and helping the destitute and the homeless. He founded the pious schools in the 1600s and opened the these schools for free education for poor children, marking the beginning of what would become the Periist, or the Order of the Pious Schools. Over 41 years, the Periist with patience and humility, they started performing many miracles, and he received visits from the Blessed Virgin and the Infant Jesus demonstrating gifts of reading conscious, con- consciences and prophecies. I can say words. Now, during this time, there was great persecution, which led to the expulsion of St. Joseph from his own order in 1643. And soon afterwards, in 1646, the Periasts were suppressed by the Holy See. And this was very sad because he did not receive Many consolations until later in his life where he eventually he received consolations by our Lord who visited him um, in his sadness toward his death. And he died at the age of 91 in 1648, August 25th. A century later, Pope Alexander VII cleared the name of the pious schools and restored his work. It's very sad to see that his work, must. Have, this must have been the greatest trial for him to realize That all of his works, everything that he had been asked by Almighty God to do, came to naught. At least what he would have thought in his life. Which I think is something that we can meditate upon. And despite setbacks, challenges, you know, sometimes we can think that this is our fault. That something is caused by our own sins. And sometimes uh, maybe that is the case. But other times it may be something else. It may be part of the divine plan. Now, something else to keep in mind, something that we should pray for, is the restoration of our religious orders. Because it is one thing in a sadness when your order is unjustly suppressed. It's another thing entirely whenever the oppression comes from a betrayal of the original vows created by the saintly founders. So let's pray that we have a restoration of our religious orders and that all of our religious orders stay true and faithful to their calling, so let's ask this of Saint Joseph today. Saint Joseph Calasanz,
3: pray, pray for us. us. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Adrian. It's good to be here today. Uh, wow, what a beautiful saint! Uh, just to suffer so much and and still keep going and have those consolations of Christ. Uh, I, I like you. I wish I had that. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had that that wonderful gift to uh, to see our Lord like that and be consoled by Him.
2: Right. I mean. I know I struggle every day with trying to have that kind of a supernatural outlook. Um, part yeah. of the same of the day, there was a section on there talking about Ignatius Viola, how he actually said, um, someone asked him, what would you do if the Jesuit order was suppressed mm. and they was disbanded? And he said he would be despondent, but then after 15 minutes of prayer before the Holy Sacraments, he would have his peace again. And I was <laughs> like, Whoa. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. 15 minutes.
3: He's like, I have it down to a science. 15 (laughs) minutes is all I need. But you know what? It also reminds me, Adrian, that, uh, you know, we can console our Lord and and we really need to do that as well, because uh, who who's going to console our Lord but us? Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's one thing to want the consolation, right, because we're human. We Mm -hmm. want that. uh, But we can also console our Lord who uh, who needs it a lot more than we do.
2: Amen. Amen. And we have an obligation to do so. We have an obligation to actually console our Lord whenever we can. So let's uh, think about that today and go and console our Lord instead of trying to console ourselves. I think that's uh, something yeah. that we do too much. <laughs> too much consoling ourselves and not enough consoling our Lord is what I would say. Um, anyway, let's uh, talk about what's going to be up on the show today. Uh, coming up, at 15 past the hour you know i haven't
3: really talked at all about the maui f- fires um did y'all talk about that while i was gone we did mention uh, there was one story it was a kind of an interesting story that uh, theorized that the fires were caused by non-native plants so the grasses that were that were placed in this town they actually contributed to the wildfire because they weren't native to that that island hmm. so that's one thing we mentioned
2: yeah, so I I kind of um missed out on a lot of news while I was gone, and then the news cycle is such that there's just so many things going on that I just could not I could not actually uh, keep up with everything going on. So I'm trying to catch up, and the situation in the Maui fires really shocked me. Like I was like, oh yeah, that's it's a pretty bad situation, but you know that's a, it's a tragedy. And I was like, oh, sure, everybody talked about it already. we moved move on. And it's so much worse than I thought. I just started reading these articles about it, and I'm just flabbergasted by the situation. So we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, uh, Michael Hitchborn with the Lepanto Institute should be joining us to talk about the priest of the Sacred Heart. It was a very concerning situation going on over with the priest of the Sacred Heart. So we're going to talk about that at 30 past the hour. In the next hour, Adam Bly should be joining us, and we're going to be talking about... The Spirit World coming up this Saturday, so that's coming up uh, in the next hour. Plus, our Fear and Trembling game show is coming up, as is our custom. Uh, but let's begin with prayer. Oh, and before I forget, the uh, yesterday we mentioned the talk going on in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we didn't get out the details. So tonight, there's going to be a talk on the upcoming Synod on Synodality happening in Rome. Uh, the talk is titled, How the Coming Synod Could Radically Change Your Parish and the Church. It'll take place at 7 p.m. at the Women's Club of Fort Worth at 1315 Pennsylvania Avenue. The talk is free to attend and open to all. So if you or someone you know or a priest you know or seminarian you know wants to get up to date and uh, know what's going on with the Synod on Synodality, uh, make sure you check that out. And if you want, I will send you this information. to send me an email, and I will copy and paste this information to send it to you. Um, So you can get our email, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And we would love to send that to you, um, but definitely check it out. I went to the um, their talk here in Houston. It was very enjoyable. My family, all my my father and my mom, went with me, and it was very good, very good. So definitely check it out. Uh, let's begin in prayer. In The name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is you have going on in your life. Um, we're praying for my father. Uh, I, he turned forty nine, not fifty. He wanted me to tell you that. He's not fifty. He was forty nine. And so pray for my father. His birthday was yesterday. And my grandfather, he has his cancer treatment. So I'd be grateful if you pray for that. And we pray for the salvation of souls, liberty, and exaltation of Holy Mother Church for our friends, family benefactors, and all those that we promised to pray for. O Immaculata, Queen of Heaven and Earth, refuge of sinners, and our most loving Mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have. Holy to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me of all my powers of soul and body of my whole life and death and eternity, whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve, wholly to accomplish what was said of you. She will crush your head and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strayed and indifferent souls and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of jesus for wherever you enter you obtain the grace of conversion and the growth in holiness since it is through your hands that all graces come to us from the most sacred heart of jesus allow me to praise you o sacred virgin give me strength against your enemies o mary concede without sin pray for us who have recourse to thee. And for those who do not have recourse to thee, especially for the Freemasons and those most commended to thy care. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy
3: Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired and hear today's breaking news and stories. Breaking news. I'm moving away. This story is from Breitbart, and they say it's maybe Epcot 2.0. Silicon Valley Titans invest $800 million to build a utopian city in Northern California. A consortium of Silicon Valley elites led by the group Flannery Associates has acquired 55,000 acres of land in Northern California for $800 million with the ambitious goal of constructing a sustainable utopian city. The group's objective is to build a utopian new town on 55,000 acres that promises its future residents reliable public transportation, urban living amenities, and a commitment to so-called clean energy. Catholic News Agency reports Catholic Church loses bid to have abuse lawsuit thrown out in Australia. This is an interesting story. The Catholic Church on Friday suffered a loss in Australian appeals courts. After a panel of judges said that an abuse case brought by the father of an alleged victim of Cardinal George Pell could proceed. The cardinal allegedly abused the boy in the 1990s. His father brought the suit against the Catholic Church and Pell in 2022, shortly before Pell's death in January of this year. The alleged victim himself died of a heroin overdose in 2014. And NDTV News says Trump calls court ruling setting for March 4th trial date election interference. Trump, who was accused of leading a criminal conspiracy to overturn his 2020 defeat, posted that prosecutors had deliberately slow walked their investigation to, quote, bring it smack in the middle of crooked Joe Biden's political opponent's campaign against him. Election interference, he claims. Those are some of your headline news today, but uh, stay tuned for more. And I'll let you know about uh, what we can learn from St. Monica. Back to you, Adrian.
2: The Gospel today comes from Mark chapter 6, verses 17 through 29. Now, this is from John's beheading. So that's the story that's being told. And there are a number of things that I think are worthy of comment on. Cornelius Lapide commented on quite a bit of it. On verse 22 here, And when the daughter of the same Herodias had come in and had danced and pleased Herod, and them that were at table with him, the king said to the damsel, Ask of me what thou wilt and I will give it to thee. Now, Cornelius Alapide commenting on this said, And when the daughter of the same Herodias had come in and danced and pleased Herod, the female dancers were formally introduced into their feast by the Jews out of luxurious appearance from Josephus. That there was a similar fashion among the Greeks. And so this is a showing that the Jews were taking on the practices of the pagans. This is a very much something that we do not like to see, something that, we as Catholics should keep in mind something we should avoid because these things that are done by the secular culture, by the pagans are things that distort all God almighty and his plan. Now here he says that the dancing innervates even a manly mind. And so this is, he's making the point here saying that here he's actually, he quotes Ecclesiasticus and says, use not much the company of a female dancer, nor listen to her lest perchance thou perish through her influence. Well, this is a very clear thing that should be obvious, but he makes the point that men are susceptible to the whims of lust, and so we should flee lust. We should not try to endure or try to conquer it in the sense that you stand up against it and gaze upon its face, but instead you should reject it. He says here, quoting Rumigius, the shameless woman brought up a shameless daughter and teaching her to dance instead of to be modest. Nor was Herod less to be blamed for allowing a woman to make a theater of his palace hall. This is very important because many people may think that these things are are not a big deal. But it is, in fact, shameless. These people are without shame. They act as if they have no shame. And that should be rejected. It should not be accepted. It should not be promoted. In verse 26, and the king was struck sad, yet because of his oath and because of them that were with him at table, he would not displease her. Now, of course, he's here. He's referring to the fact that he she then came up and requested for the head of John the Baptist, because he said, whatever you give, whatever you ask for, I will give you because he was incited by lust. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist inspired by her mother. And Cornelius Lapide said he pretended to be sorry. Because he wished John to be killed. For he knows that making an oath, if you make an oath, you are not bound to it if they ask you to do something that is against the moral law. And so you may say, I will give you anything, but it's implied anything that is not sinful. We'll be right back with more after this. This is
4: Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton
1: says, progress is a useless word, for progress takes for granted an already defined direction, and it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal is, and then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it or farther from it. The real question is not whether we are progressive, but what is our goal? My goal is to get to heaven, and to help others get there too. What's yours? Want Chesterton for more than a minute? Visit our website
3: at chesterton.org. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, this is your Captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's Passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's Passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there is this situation you may have heard. Did you hear about the Maui fires? I wonder. I've probably everybody's heard about it. I was actually in Europe when it happened, and so I just didn't I didn't hear about it until so I got back. I was not keeping up to date with the news at all while I was gone. Must and, be nice. uh, it was kind of nice. It was kind of nice. And I got back. I heard about these fires. Right. And I was kind of thinking, oh, it's like kind of like the California fires or the Canada fires. Really bad. Really sad. Um, but I didn't realize how devastating it was that h- over 100 people died and that uh, people's like entire lives were destroyed. And then I started seeing all the conspiracy theories pop up about, oh, maybe it was set by the elites because a bunch of rich people like Oprah and the, I think the the Obamas uh, had property that didn't burn down. And I started seeing all these things, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is really interesting. And then there was the whole controversy about Joe Biden coming into Maui and then falling asleep during the. Um, kind of the press conference Mm -hmm. and that he initially for like what two weeks said nothing about the actual fires itself and it was just all over the place all these different things coming up but then what made me say okay i need to readdress this because i was kind of thinking you know i already didn't talk about it as i'm sure that y'all talked about while i was gone so i don't need to revisit it but then i saw this story and i was like okay I have to uh, bring this up because this is absolutely flabbergasting. Did you f- see this story? Maui residents who disobeyed barricade survived fires. The government apparently, this is reported by the Hill, and there's a, I think the Associated Press also reported on this, they, the government set up barricades and road closures blocking in the citizens from escaping where the Maui fire was and the people who survived were people who decided to ignore the government's orders and go around the barricades. And apparently people were discouraging you to go around the barricades. And so many people died inside of their vehicles or inside of other things hiding out because they weren't able to, to get out now, so the hill reports at least one hundred and fourteen people were killed in the fires earlier this month, and the FBI is estimating up to eleven hundred more are unaccounted for. Officials are facing increased scrutiny for their emergency response, including why the emergency sirens were not set off, and whether closing the roads prevented people from getting to safety in the early hours of the Maui fire. There were more than thirty power poles down along the Honopiliani highway at the south end of Lahania a historic town that was decimated in the fires earlier this month. Officials closed Lahania bypass road due to the fires, blocking the only way out uh, to the southern part of the island. The Maui police chief said during a news conference that official officers never stopped people from leaving the area. But the AP reports suggest that residents were discouraged from disobeying the barricade. Hmm. He said one family swerved around the barricade set up to escape the flames, while another resident took a dirt road uphill to climb above the fire, according to the AP. However, many others who stayed in the cars on the road were stuck in a gridlock with fires surrounding them on most sides, with the ocean on the remaining side. This is just absolutely tragic. It goes on, Nate Baird and the Courtney Stapleton recounted their experience to the outlet, saying they loaded the car up with their two sons, Baird's mother and one dog to escape the flames. When they turned south to escape Lahania, they were met with cones and were told to turn around to Lahania, which was already burning. Instead of turning around, they swerved past the cones and escaped to a neighboring town. Nobody realized how little time we really had. Like even us being from the heart of the fire, we did not comprehend. Like we literally had minutes and one wrong turn, we would all be dead right now. This is absolutely absolutely tragic to hear and there's one lesson i mean there's a lot of lessons that can be learned there's a lot of things that are wrong Uh, we still don't know for sure what caused the fire we still don't know what uh, about the whole release of the water whether or not the water was not released when it was supposed to Uh, we still don't know there's a lot of things we don't know but from just this alone what should we learn from this if the people try to tell us that if you want to survive you got to listen to the experts If you want to survive, listen to what the authorities are telling you. Uh, 14 days to slow the spread, two weeks to slow the spread, wear your mask, get the vaccine, do this, do that, whatever the government tells you to do. No, don't worry about this. The government says it's fine. Don't worry about it. The only people who survived this are the people who disobeyed the government. Are the people who refused to say, oh, yeah, whatever you say. That's the only people who survived. It's absolutely ridiculous that this happened, that this is unexcusable. There are many things that are excusable. You say that people make mistakes. I get it. People make mistakes. But to barricade exits and to tell people to turn around, the only people who survived are people who disobeyed. I think that's something that's a lesson that we're going to have to keep in mind, unfortunately, because, yeah, we should want to respect authority. We should want to be able to trust authority. But in our current system, it's very hard to say that we should or can. I think this is something we must keep an eye on. Now, sticking with the same topic, one thing that was very, very concerning was the fact that Joe Biden, his response when he went there, when he went to Hawaii, what did he say? He started telling stories about himself. He went in and was talking about how, oh, about two decades ago, we had a small kitchen fire. And, well, nothing actually happened. We could have lost my Corvette. And my wife was near the house, too. And she could have died, too. And that's his story to tell about how he can relate to over 100 people dying, 1,100 people missing, millions of dollars of damage, if not more. And if people's entire lives uprooted and destroyed, that's his response. I was given really, really good advice by a professor of mine, um, Dr. Theodore Rebard. Uh, We've had him on the show in the past. I've interviewed him on my personal podcast. I respect this man greatly. And what he said, what he told me one day, he was in a class, so not just me specifically, he told our class. I don't remember quite why it came up in conversation, uh, but we were talking about mourning and about death. And he said, here is a problem with people today. People want to make everything about them. He said, the proper response when somebody dies is my condolences. I'm sorry for your loss. That is the proper response. He said, that's what you say to somebody when they someone dies, when a loved one dies. He said, what you do not say Under any circumstances, what you never say is, I understand what you're going through. You never say that. You never say, I get it. I know how you feel. Because the answer you're going to get is, no, you don't. You don't know how I feel. How could you know how I feel? You would have to know my interior life to know how I feel. You, don't, you may have had a relationship with that person. You may have been sad because you had a relationship with that person. But you don't have the relationship I had with that person. So you don't know how I feel. Even among siblings, you don't know how I feel. Because my relationship with my family, with my father, with my mother, is different from my sisters or my brothers. We may both all had good relationships, but we had different relationships. And if you're someone who's not even within the family, that separation is even more. And so going to an entire community of people, not just an individual. So this is absurd and insulting for even on a individual level. Imagine now on a situation, we have 115 people dead, 1,100 people missing, entire society, like their entire life destroyed. And you say, I know how you feel. My Corvette almost burned down. You don't know how I feel. This is absolutely a complete violation of etiquette, a complete violation of decency, and a complete narcissistic response to a tragedy. And I share this because we don't, we're not taught etiquette. So maybe this isn't Joe Biden's fault. Maybe this is not his fault, and it's just a problem with our society because we were not taught etiquette. I wasn't taught etiquette. I had to learn these things over time on my own. Because that's not part of society. This is not part of the way we treat our people today. We have no idea how to mourn. We have no idea how to respond to death. Because we sanitize death, we put it in hospice care, we stick it off to a corner into a hospital, we embalm bodies so we don't even see what dead bodies look like. We have no idea the reality of death and how to deal with it. And I think this is something that's very serious and it's sad because people will look to other religions to show, oh yeah, this old religion over here, this is how they used to mourn. We have a Catholic tradition of mourning. There was periods of mourning and there was periods set up by etiquette depending on who died in your family. If it was your spouse, if you were a wife and and you became a widow, it was expected that you mourned for a year. All these different things, these were aspects of a real Catholic society because Catholic society goes beyond simply going to church on Sunday. It is our very culture. It is our very culture It's the way we live our life is the way we respond to everything to death to life to rejoicing to marriage to births everything every aspect. And so what's the proper response here? The proper response is one we need to figure out what causes problems so we can make sure this does not happen again. But also our response is to pray for these people is to pray for those who have died to recognize, to give our condolences to tell them I'm sorry for your loss to pray that they have Christian hope to honor their lives and be, and to assure everyone who has lost somebody, to assure them of your prayers. Because many people would try to make this kind of absurdity that prayers don't matter. But prayers matter. And in many cases, that's the greatest good you can give them. Because you can't help the people who are dead. They're already dead. But the big thing that you can do for them is you can pray for their soul. If they're in purgatory, we can pray that they be released from purgatory. And if they're in heaven, then we can pray that they pray for us. And we pray that they had a conversion at the end of their life, that they were able to make that act of contrition on their deathbed, that God gave them the grace to be saved at the end. So this is the proper response. And we'll probably keep this up to date in the story because I'm realizing how utterly tragic the story is and how much these people need our prayers and how sad it is that we don't have a Christian society that knows how to respond to utter Horrific tragedies that we see like this, so we keep everyone in Hawaii in our prayers. Everyone in the that ha- lost somebody in the Maui fires in our prayers, and we're going to pray that all these things come to light so we can actually have justice for what happened. That people who failed, that whatever the problem was, we do not make that mistake again if it was a mistake. And if the conspiracy theories are right, then we punish those who conspired to end these people's lives whatever it may be Uh, when we come back michael hitchborn with the lepanto institute is on with us we're back with more right after this
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Which of these is the most difficult for you to objectively believe? Jonah lived in a whale? Moses heard God's voice in a bush? Peter's authoritative declarations would be backed by heaven? Or that Daniel survived the flames of fire? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the results. Most difficult was Jonah, then Daniel, then Moses. The easiest was Peter receiving authority to grant forgiveness. Secondly, the early church was tough. You see, that authority granted to Peter could put one out of the church due to sin and that same authority was installed to bring one back into the church through personal confession we understand that reconciliation with the church is inseparable from reconciliation with god and thirdly our bibles are filled with promises but this promise was to peter the apostles and the generational successors of peter known as the catholic bishops so here's an idea take a drive down your street look up at a catholic church and just know this for a fact that priest inside that church was ordained straight down through the lineage of saint peter
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A
3: friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Catholic Vote reports, Coalition of Scientists Say That There Is No Climate Emergency, Known as CLINTEL, a global climate intelligence group dedicated to fostering an approach to climate change grounded in science. For the statement, CLINTEL brought together a diverse group of scientists from all over the world to combat erroneous popular opinions. Contesting the notion that CO2, which is essential to all life on Earth, is a negative effect of climate change, the statement added, more CO2 is beneficial for nature, greening the earth, and an additional CO2 in the air has promoted growth in global plant biomass. It is also good for agriculture, increasing the yields of crops worldwide. And Catholic News Agency reports, here are some lessons from St. Monica for those whose children and grandchildren have left the church. Now, this is a very common thing that we hear uh, here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. We hear about mothers, we hear about fathers, we hear about families who uh, wish that their children would return to the church. And now we can turn to St. Monica for inspiration on what we can do to bring them back. St. Monica's 4th century world was remarkably similar to our own. She lived in a time when Christianity was just beginning and paganism still had a very strong hold in the land. She felt alone at times and wasn't sure about how to handle her wayward son. But her example in these difficulties offers a way forward for parents in similar situations. St. Ambrose who served as bishop of Milan from 374 to 397 told St Monica to quote speak less about speak less to your son about God and more to God about your son unquote among other things we can learn from her we can take an eternal perspective there are always ways of reframing that can help parents view things from the eternal perspective we need to not set deadlines for God and let him do with a great soul work that he did in St. Augustine as St. Monica continued to pray and hope. Those are all your headlines today. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to uh, to the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Drive Time. Back to you, Adrian.
2: Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. And, you know, I love St. Monica. Her feast day was, what, two days ago? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, uh, it's usually the day before St. Augustine, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so praise be to God, St. Monica. What a beautiful and wonderful saint I think she's often forgotten our times, and you know the you gotta. I think today with so many people that have family members that are lost, people need to join the St. Monica Club and get on the the prayers, fasting, oh, and penance. I gotcha, I gotcha, yeah. I
3: get what you're putting down there. Well, there's actually <laughs> so there's
2: actually a there was a book written. We interviewed the person a long time ago, a long time ago. And she wrote, I think, I can't remember the details of the book, but it was called the St. Monica Club. And it was about like people um, praying for lost uh, children. And so, yeah, yeah, this is something that is a real, real concern. And there is something that people think, what can I possibly do to save my kids? And the, the acts of reparation and uh, prayer, fasting, penance, that is the number one thing that you can do. And when you do it, not only can you bring your kid back to the faith, but you can actually make them a great saint, so that's encouraging. Uh, joining us right now is Michael Hitchborn. Good morning to you, Mr. Hitchborn.
4: Good morning.
1: Thanks for having me on.
2: Uh, praise be to God. It's good to have you on. It's always good when you are on because uh, you always have these explosive reports, and they're always incredibly well sourced. So it's uh, I'm glad to see it. In fact, uh, the reason why this particular um, document came up in my attention. Is because you you had a report out against the, the priests of the Sacred Heart, uh, coming, being anti, promoting a lot of anti Catholic things. And I didn't somehow miss your report. I, I subscribed to your things and somehow I somehow missed it. But I found it because they put out a statement saying, oh, we're not going to respond to this, uh, allegations. We're going to let our reputation speak for ourselves. Mm. Uh, and I was like, that's kind of a non response to something what on earth are they responding to and i came across your article so tell me about uh let's start there for instance uh, what did you think about their response to uh, your article
4: well it's it's funny that they would say that they're going to let their history stand as its own uh testimony and because their history actually includes everything that we documented in our report so it's like <laughs> you're gonna rest on that i mean <laughs> okay <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, that's not ideal, not ideal. So, uh, what actually is the situation that, uh, people are, are, that we're seeing here? What is that? Give me the summary of the report.
4: Sure. So, we, we get people calling us and emailing us on a regular basis asking if we know anything about this group or that group and can you put together a report on this so that we know whether they're good to give donations to or not. And one of the groups that consistently has come up over the last year is the Priests of the Sacred Heart. And I'd been putting it off just because I have a good reputation. I mean, it's just you, you don't feel like you need to go after somebody. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'll get around to it. Well, we finally got around to it, and uh, one of our uh, research team leaders found one thing that caused him a little bit of concern. So he started following this thread, and it led to a barrage of information uh, going all the way to the top of the leadership on an international scale. And what we discovered is that from the international level to the U.S. regional level, through its programs at St. Joseph's Indian School and its other uh, program called, um, uh, what is it, the uh, Native Hope, they are promoting women priests, homosexuality and transgenderism, outright Marxism. Uh, one of their priestly leaders, who is very influential with the u s side of things uh, is very public in pushing for women's priestly ordination and explicit promotion of contraception. He's also very very clearly a revolutionary marxist uh, that's all over his social media pushing revolution, pushing marxism um, it's It's pretty horrific and uh, we found publications from the International Priests of the Sacred Heart where the, their own publications were promoting women priests and saying that God wants women priests wow. and that kind of thing. Really awful stuff. The, the report itself is 30 pages long, typed out.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've always found all of your reports to be incredibly thorough. I mean, it's very difficult for anybody to try to uh, say that it's, um, that it's not being reported correctly. And the, um, the situation here is very interesting because we have these promoting of the, we have this promoting of the, um, LGBT ideologies. And I think that's mm-hmm. very concerning considering where we're coming up on the Synod on Synodality. And so I think these kind of people who are promoting these ideas are going to be, need to be shown that these guys are not faithful. Now, something that I think is, uh, kind of a question I have for you, uh, like you mentioned, there's a lot of organizations that are doing this. And so how do you kind of choose which ones are the ones you kind of go after? Because I think that if you have – um like we have this one group, but there's like dozens and dozens of religious orders that are doing the exact same thing. Yep.
4: Yeah, so – The way we do it, um, I mean, we are a very small organization, so it takes us a lot more time than if we had a lot more funding and and, uh, we're a bigger organization with more people doing research. But the the bottom line is we have a, a pretty lengthy list of organizations and religious orders that people have sent to us asking us to investigate them, and we just take it one at a time. Uh, we go to the top of the list and we say, okay, which one's next? And we start looking and we do a, a little investigation. And if something comes up and we start following a thread, then we start doubling down on our research. If if nothing comes up over, I don't know, we, we usually allot about two hours of initial research to see if there's any anything that gives us any kind of heartburn or anything that makes us kind of pause then uh we we usually say okay we've we've allotted plenty of time we didn't see any red flags and and we give it a good a good shake so um, that's kind of how we do it it's it, there, there's no magic we don't uh, mm-hmm. we don't go looking to find an organization and rub our hands like some sort of villain going who who, who can we get next we we just we're we're just kind of going through a list that people send us saying, mm. "Hey, can you tell me about this group? Can you tell me about that group?" And and that's all, that's all we do.
5: Yeah,
2: I think that's a. I I think one thing that it does is coming after a few of them, is one mm-hmm. it kind of makes an example of some of these groups that hopefully will discourage others and say, you know, this Lepanto Institute, they're they're showing off the kind of exposing people. We better. I uh, try to not be so bad so we don't get put in the crosshairs. So I kind of hope that that's kind of a response you get. Do you think that that's a response at all, or do you think they don't care?
4: <laughs> I don't think they care at all. Um, they, they, these people are so agenda-oriented that um, it doesn't really matter if they think that somebody's coming after us. They think they've got every, the upper hand because they have a pope who believes what they want them to believe. Mm. So um, they, they feel like, well, we are in control, we are in command here, and it doesn't matter what some upstart thinks about what we're doing, which is why we get responses like the one they gave. Oh, we're going to stand on our record. Except that your record includes everything that's in our report. Uh, (laughs) You you say you're not going to, you know, it's ridiculous.
2: We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into some of the surprising pagan things that were happening, and some people may say, all right, all right, show me the receipts. Um, Well, let's do that when we come back just after this break.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches sadly will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know... You know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch. Listening to Catholic Radio and getting excited about learning about your Catholic faith
1: can be, well... Infectious.
6: I converted uh, in my 20s to uh, Protestant, and uh, this is the first time I've heard Catholic radio. I've been listening to it for a couple hours driving. First time I've ever heard Catholics actually excited about what they believe. I'm going to tell you what, this has been uh, one of the greatest two hours that I've had in a while.
1: And a special thank you to our donors for keeping Catholic radio on the air. Thank you, and may God bless you. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time
2: Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, (laughs) this is such a surprising story. And (sighs) gee whiz, you know, uh, is it too much to ask for that you want your Catholic priest to believe in the Catholic faith? Like, I'm just wondering, like, is that like the bar? Is that too high? Am I setting the bar too high? Um, Michael Hitchborn is joining us with the Lepanto Institute talking about the priest of the Sacred Heart. Good morning to you, uh, Mr. Hitchborn. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Mr. Hichborn, you know, this is very, very uh, really, really disturbing because whenever I talk to when I talk to a lot of uh, Catholics, they will tell me things like I'll be chatting with somebody and they're going to say, uh, oh, yeah, my priest is super conservative. He's like amazing, really good priest, super Catholic. I love him. And I'm like, oh really? Like what, what made him so Catholic? What do you, what do you mean? And he'll say, they'll say something like, oh yeah, father last week, he gave a sermon saying abortion is wrong. And I'm like, um, well that's, that's great, I'm glad he said that, but is that really the uh, the standard where we're holding priests to that? It's like as long as they say abortion is bad, he must be a good priest. Um, but I guess whenever you see things like what's happening with the priest of the Sacred Heart, I guess that is the standard. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that? Uh,
4: unfortunately, even the priests of the Sacred Heart don't seem to be holding to that standard. Um, <laughs> they they, uh, they They're not going to go out and preach against abortion uh in fact this guy bob bossy father bob bossy who i was mentioning in the other half uh who promotes socialism and and everything else he's part of an organization called refuse fascism and refuse fascism states in its mission statement fascist initiatives around restricting voting immigration and abortion rapidly advance in state houses across the country the election of biden has not eliminated the danger it is only it is only bought some time, they uh, they are a pro-abortion organization, and he encourages people regularly to uh, to make donations to them. Um, and on top of the fact that he's out there promoting the queer Bible and all sorts of other horrible things, so it's it's uh it's par for the course. And unfortunately, that's not even the standard for them, as I pointed out.
2: So I want to hear about this because this became a controversy with Pope Francis recently. And I also, it's very interesting, I, I went to the, um, the what is it called, the Scientology Museum in California, the last time I went, it was a few months ago, and I was kind of surprised, because while I was there, they were talking about how their founder was involved with these Native American groups that performed smudging ceremonies with him, and I was like, wait, I've, I've heard of smudging ceremonies before, and I looked it up, I was like, I've heard of it because Pope Francis participated in one. And I'm like, why do I know this? And then I see here you're reporting on the fact that they had, they participated in this as well. So tell me about this.
4: Okay. So one of the projects of the, uh, the, the priests of the Sacred Heart, the Dahonians is how they're also known, is, uh, they, they run a project called St. Joseph Indian School in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota. And, in, in an, uh, in an um, article that they published, and I don't remember exactly when this was published, um, they said that they actually perform smudging ceremonies for their students. I'll just read you an excerpt. It says, smudging souls is something that has been done for generations in our tribal cultures. It is a cleansing ritual for our bodies and minds. We take advantage of special days at St. Joseph's to perform this ritual for our children, staff, and mission." Uh, and then it goes on to say that smudging helps rid a person or area of unwanted energies that aren't helpful throughout the day week or month smudging is also used to bless new areas items or places so that a fresh start is felt in the heart Uh, they say a lot more but the bottom line is that what they're trying to do is is burn sage and they wave the sage smoke around so that you you waft it in and they say that that acts kind of like a sacramental in in banishing Yikes. spirits and unwanted energies and it's 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 a false form of worship. This mm. this is not a proper ritual that is uh in a, in accord with Catholic teaching. It's just not.
2: Yeah, I mean that's just that's I mean it's straight up paganism. That's that's horrific to yes. think that someone would do something like that and you think okay, well if someone does something like this you're probably doing the exact opposite of your intention you 're probably bringing demons into your to your school. you said this was for a school kids, Yes,
4: this is for school kids oh and, and they say that they they use the, they do the smudging for their children, their staff, and the mission of the school so they're they're treating um this burnt stage in the same way or in a similar way to how the church would normally use incense mm. You can bless with incense. You can't bless with sage. Sage is not a proper, for, it's not proper matter for the sacramental that is burnt incense. It's also not the same thing and it doesn't have equal weight to holy water, but they try to make the same, th- they, in one of their articles, they actually try to make that, that argument. They say, Despite being from different cultures, both holy water sprinkles and Lakota smudging share the belief in the importance of spiritual purification and connection with a higher power. Uh, They're not the same. This is
2: this is absolutely horrific. And I I think one of the other good things about your reporting on this is to try to wake up parents and families, Catholic families, to realize just because someone is a is a priest or part of a religious order or something like that does not mean they have the best ideas for your kids in mind. They don't have the eternal vision in mind. They should, uh, but they do not. And I was surprised to see the LGBTQ aspects of this as well. And, you know, I'm like, what's worse, the paganism or the promoting of LGBT ideology? One, you, you the kids are taking home demons to their families. The other one... It may cause permanent damage to their to them if they end up buying into these ideologies. Uh, what did you find out about the LGBTQ plus justice things that they're talking about? I don't even know how to what to call them.
4: Right. So the the promotion of of uh, homosexual and transgender ideologies is pervasive throughout their entire uh, uh, from the top down. Um, in May of May of twenty twenty one. A publication of theirs called Setimina News uh, published an article, and the title is LGBT Forbidden to Bless LGBT Unions, and it was written by a a priest of the Diocese of Bilbao in Spain. Um, And uh, the article talks about the hope for the church to soon recognize homosexual unions. I'll just read to you this one portion. It does not surprise me that here in the Basque country, the bishop of San Sebastian, Monsignor Munilla, proposed to create a a chain of prayer and fasting for the unity of the church in Germany and its communion with the ecclesiastical uh, magisterium. I suppose because he is concerned not so much about said unity, but about a possible change in the catechism that leaves behind the thesis that orientation towards people of the same sex is objectively disordered. And then he goes on, and he says, this is all a translation, so the, the, <laughs> the grammar might sound a little off. He says, isn't it more consistent with the gospel and reason to freely recognize that people attracted to the same sex are oriented differently? I hope that before long it will be possible to read this or something similar in the said catechism. Mm. It has happened before with the death penalty and so-called just war, why not with homosexual unions Uh, that's just one just one example they have others all throughout talking about homosexuality and blessing same-sex unions and participating in gay pride parades and uh i mean it's pervasive they are they as an organization as, as an order of priests Uh, can be definitely said to be completely aligned with the LGBTQ ideologies.
2: Wow. Yeah, I mean, there is one thing that I kind of noticed from from what you just read there. It really, really shows how revolutionary the changes in the catechism have been. Because they point to it and are like, hey, look, look, we've already done it here. Why can't we do it here, too? And you also hear the echoing of Father James Martin there as well, of differently ordered Uh rather than intrinsically disordered. I think that's also very interesting to note. Now, certainly... Certainly with, you know, you have one priest, Father James Martin, and nobody wants to come out and condemn him. But if it's an entire religious order that is constantly, consistently promoting this all over the world, certainly there's been bishops and cardinals and and prelates who have condemned them publicly, no? Condemned the Dehonians. Yes, sir.
4: Uh, there has been nobody, nobody that has come out and condemned them, yeah. Wow. Uh, in fact, I think that their reputation precedes them, which is why they wanted to rest on their reputation uh, rather than addressing the concerns, because uh, they know they have a good reputation. They know that people think that they are on the up and up when they really aren't. So our report was really kind of revolutionary in that sense that nobody has said anything about the uh, the order of the priests of the Sacred Heart that was negative, before and this is the first time that it's being revealed that they are not really what they appear to be anymore unfortunately
2: now where are they located Uh, like what's what's kind of their reach is it just in small areas or are they very widespread because personally i don't think i've ever encountered one of these priests personally
4: so they're actually all over the globe uh they have regional locations they've got locations in germany and italy in um in france and spain i know that uh they're they're actually pretty uh pretty solid down in south america they've got a a strong presence in south america uh they also have their north american chapter which is headquartered in in wisconsin um haley's corner i think in wisconsin and uh yeah they're 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 pretty much all over the place and we we were primarily looking at the international mm-hmm. or, organization, which is headquartered in Rome, uh, and we were also looking at the United States. But I, I'm sure if we started looking at their regional locations in those other areas, France, Spain, uh, Germany, and South America, we we would find similar problems.
2: Wow. I, I looked them up right now as you were talking in the 277 parishes, 443 communities, 45 education centers, 60 houses of formation. That's... Uh, kind of impressive to be honest then they have 14 retirement homes yeah they're very very large I, I didn't realize how well how big of a presence they are considering uh, that i had never heard of them before i'm very very shocked by that now before we run out of time here the just about a minute left in the conversation uh, what can your average faithful do do we write the bishop do we uh, just pull support what, what's the what's the what's the call to action here
4: well, the first step is to pull support. Um, obviously, you can't be supporting an organization that's pushing this level of, of homosexuality and women's ordination and, and everything else. Write to the order. Uh, tell them why you're not supporting them. And then also, if they are in your diocese, write to your local bishops and say, Your Excellency, there's something very wrong here. Please conduct uh, an investigation, and if necessary, kick them out.
2: mm mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So there is our call to action. Of course, we cannot support as Catholics anything that is promoting paganism, abortion, LGBT ideology, and the list goes on and on and on. And if we can, let's get them punished. So that way, you know, good things should be promoted and bad things should be canceled. God bless you, Mr. Hitchborn. Check out Lepanto Institute. Go look up Lepanto Institute. You'll find it. God bless you. God love you, Mr. Hitchborn. We'll be right back with more, right after this.
1: I'm in a good place in my life.
2: And I'm energized by new adventures.
1: I've got friends to laugh with.
5: And a good relationship.
3: But even though I'm kind of comfortable,
1: I sometimes wonder, is there something more?
3: Could God and church be what you're looking for? Come and see
7: at catholicscomehome.com.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever replaced pronouns in the Bible such as who, whom, whosoever, ye, you, etc., and replaced those words with your name and therefore you personalize the Bible to yourself? Do you do that? Is that a safe way to read the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, Bible complexity. Mechanics study motors. Architects study design. Linguists study syntax. But for the most part, Christians don't study the how-tos of safe biblical interpretation Called hermeneutics. Secondly, Aquinas. In the Summa, we see the caution. Aquinas says of the Bible, quote, The manner of its speech transcends every science because in one and the same sentence, while it describes a fact, it reveals a mystery and thirdly, a tough comeback. I know it seems plausible to simply say the Bible is a love letter straight from God to humanity. But wait a minute. A sentence or a paragraph in a love letter has context. Yes, with great caution, we can personalize some context. But remember, when you're at the central figure in the Bible, God isn't. And that's just wrong.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read The Lives of the Saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. your 24-hour-a-day source of Catholic inspiration. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
0: I'm Anne Quatrini, the principal from St. Francis de Sales Catholic School. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
2: Institute, check out the Lepanto Institute, and I highly recommend when you go Lepanto, uh, let's see, it's LepantoIN.org, LepantoIN.org. I highly recommend checking out the actual Articles itself because people will accuse Lepanto Institute of you know fear mongering and making up things, but if you actually read their reports, it's hard to argue with. I mean, it's he cites his sources, it's very, very lengthy, and he uh, pulls up all the receipts, screenshots of them actually saying the things. I don't know, I don't know how you can disagree with Lepanto Institute. He they show all the receipts and he always cites. Their own websites, like the, these, these leftists tend to come out publicly and they tell you what they believe. So I, I always kind of surprised when people are like, the Ponto Institute doesn't know that's not a good source, yada, yada. I'm like, did you read his reports? And um, if you did, please share with me where he got the, the information wrong. I'm sure he would be happy to correct it. I, I know Michael and he's a really honest guy. If you, you told him, Hey, hey, this wasn't right. There's a bad source. I'm sure that he would uh, correct that. So definitely check out um, LepantoInstitute.org, or LepantoIN.org, rather, LepantoIN.org, or just look up Lepanto Institute. It'll come up. But joining us right now is Adam Bly. He is the host, or the co-host, rather, of The Spirit World. Good morning to you, Adam. Let's see. Okay, well, I don't know if we have Adam on at the moment. I was told that he was uh, waiting on the line, so uh, we'll come back around and see about Adam being on the line in just a second. So we will see about that, come back around in just a moment. Uh, Until Adam comes on, I did want to bring up, I was doing some research on the uh, ideas of Catholic funerals. And one of the things that really shook me to the core was embalming. And And I don't want to kind of get, it gets kind of, gross a little bit and when you find out what embalming does and after reading what exactly goes on with embalming i think i don't want to embalm my family and i don't think i want to be embalmed i think i just want to be put in the ground you know what yeah
3: uh, they are you serious i'm 100 percent serious you don't want to you don't want to look like glowing like like a like a, like like a saint perfect
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well he, here's what do they do so i was reading this and, and get this This is like really, really concerning. It says, continuing my inquiry into the embalming process, I was appalled at what it entails. After basic tests are performed in the corpse for signs of life, the limbs of the nude body are massaged to break the rigor mortis. Wires or adhesives are used to fix the jaw and set the face. Hmm. Machines suck out the internal fluids of the corpse and they fill the cavities with concentrated chemicals that contain formaldehyde. Needles are poked here and there under the skin to inject more from for a kind of Botox effect of beautification, all with the aim of destroying any vestige of suffering, old age and death. It seems to me an intrusive artificial process that pays no mind to the Catholic teaching of the body as a temple of the Holy Ghost. And it made me think, yeah, if, if we're against cremating the body, why would we not be against the idea of embalming the body? It seems kind of contradictory to be for one and not the other because, yeah, they're kind of, they abuse the body. They they kind of beat up the body quite a bit. And I, I think it's very concerning to to see those kind of things. And so I, I've just been diving into this a little bit more because I was thinking about the Catholic tradition of mourning and what that entails. and came across this as well. This was a um, Tradition in Action Marion Horvat article that she put out. And I think that's interesting because then you look at, the odor of sanctity that some of the incorruptibles have. And they have very supple bodies that, are, that don't have rigor mortis, that has this kind of uh, appearance of sleep. And they do not have those... Um, they, they basically look better than those who are embalmed uh, but without all of the added effects. So, I don't know. I don't know. I think perhaps... I think I was looking at this as well, and they said the majority of states will allow you to just refrigerate so that way you can do the funeral, and then you it's in the then it's in the ground after that, so it doesn't really matter anymore. So maybe, maybe that's the um, maybe that's the the status. I don't know. I gotta think more about it. I'd be curious to know other people's thoughts. Maybe we will talk about this in the after show. But joining us right now is Adam Bly, the host uh, co-host of the Spirit World. Good morning to you, Adam.
6: Good morning, Adrian. Nice to see you again.
2: Amen. It's good to have you back on. And now before we jump in, I want to talk about of course um what's going to be the topic about the spirit world on Saturday, but I honestly wanted to ask you. I was thinking about this uh, over the last week and cuz I was thinking about the series with of AI and I remembered an article I saw like a year ago where a Filipino uh, exorcist said that the demons can control or can Can have access to technology and use technology to send text messages, things like that. And I was also thinking about the, the transhumanist movement of people trying to, um, replace their body parts with robotic body parts and with, um, Elon Musk putting in the, um, trying to, trying to push for the Neuralink, putting in people's brains so they have access to the internet 24 seven. And I was thinking, okay, well, what access or what kind of power does the demonic have? over the um over technology and how can that be used against us
4: well
6: um from what i've seen over the years they they are good at disrupting technology and they're good at doing simple things with technology so you know the reference to sending texts um that is when a person who is possessed and so the demon can use their body and their thumbs can actually physically send a text uh using the phone so it's not that they can you know in some spiritual way send it by messing with the internet directly um (laughs) other things that they can do is like turn a thermostat up or down turn a tv on or off kind of very simple things so at least so far i've not seen any indication that they're they're able to like be very sophisticated with electronics um you know that being said, who knows how it will develop over time? Um, there are you know just anecdotes, and i'm sure I'm sure it's mostly just the computers, but there's stories of you know people chatting with AI and it getting very dark and kind of demonic and apocalyptic, but that also could just be the programmers having put that stuff in there.
3: Adam, this is Rudy. it's a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, you know, to to kind of continue on that 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 sort of thread there, uh, I've also read that uh, you know phones or screens, you know, anything like with technology can be used as a scrying device uh, for you know people who. Uh, what is that
2: for those who don't know? A
3: scrying device would be something that would would actually would give you like some information, some hidden information, mm. or it's collecting information about you. Is that something that you've discovered in your in your uh, your experience
6: well there certainly the phones can monitor us we know that you know in terms of them listening to, to get keywords for advertising um but in terms of actual divination there are apps that are like ouija board apps and supposed ghost hunting apps that probably aren't really doing anything hmm. but the the issue the issue with those is that if by your will you are asking the spiritual world to give you information and you're essentially inviting divination. That's the important part. It doesn't matter whether you're doing it with the Ouija board, a pendulum, or your phone, the invitation is what the demons care about because that invitation uh-huh. op- opens the door to them interacting with you. So even if nothing happens that's very interesting with the phone and your Ouija board app or whatever, uh you have now opened that door and then, later, through some other mechanism, they may start to try to interact with you, so that 's mm. the important part of the, the act of the will
2: all right I, I could uh, definitely continue down this road for for the next hour, but I want to ask you uh, what 's the topic coming up on the spirit world this saturday
6: well we 're going to be talking about the nativity of our lady uh, to celebrate that feast day, but specifically uh looking at the immaculate conception and the idea of that when that came about in terms of the church declaring it what does it really mean and also you know interestingly can we find examples of mary referencing the immaculate conception and approved apparitions so we want to kind of unpack that whole story so people understand it a lot of people have heard the words immaculate conception but not everybody knows what it means, or, or when that kind of um, teaching
2: basically came about in the church's history. I, my favorite, my favorite um, <laughs> mistake that we in in use of language is the immaculate conception. Whenever you're talking with Protestants, a very very common mistake is you'll be talking to immaculate conception they're like, "Oh yeah, I totally believe in the immaculate conception." And you're like, "You do? Oh, that's awesome! Praise be to God! That's amazing!" You start talking, and you're going, and then you realize they're talking about the miraculous conception of our Lord and not the immaculate conception of our lady being born without sin. Now, are you familiar with um, Venerable Mary of Agreda? Oh, yes. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. I had the great privilege of visiting her. I was, took a pilgrimage to Spain. And while I was there, I, we, my family went and stopped at Agreda, Spain. My little sister is working on a massive project, of painting Venerable Mary of Agreda for the San Angelo diocese. And, Mm. The uh, we were there and we were talking about the vision that she had about the nativity of Our Lady and I was just thinking about that because I mean this is great this is wonderful Our Lady's uh, nativity I, ju- was, I was just thinking I was reading the Venerable Mary Great's work just the other day and talks about how at her nativity all the angels descended down to rejoice and pledge their loyalty to Our Lady. What, what's your favorite thing to meditate upon in regards to the nativity of Our Lady?
0: Well,
6: for me, it's, it's that kind of mystery of being conceived without sin that it harkens back to the garden, you know, in Genesis. The, before sin and original sin kind of entered into creation and tainted things. The idea that she would have kind of a, a, a taste or, or, you know, an experience of a little bit of what it was like before that. And that also, of course, points us to the time that, you know, God willing, uh, we're ri- raised with Jesus with glorified bodies, and that we'll get to experience creation without that uh, taint of, of sin at some point in the future, if we make it to the beatific vision. And so Mary is kind of, you know, she's preparing the way for Jesus, which, of course, he has no sin at all to enter creation. And so by being kind of a You know a gateway for for him through her fiat through her yes but she also points to what it might be like for us and so it's interesting for me to think about her life and how the world interacted with her and then of course at at sessions at exorcisms we see how the demons testify they could never touch her they can't approach her they can't do anything to her and so that for me is a foretaste of being free from sin
2: now, another thing that I thought was really interesting when I was in a was the fact that there they have this um, this devotion to the child Mary, which I've never seen anywhere else. So it's funny you bring this up because I was I was thinking about this and just how you have these statues of the infant Jesus, where it's these little like, kind of like a manger and they have uh, our Lord placed in it. And it's with a cushion and things like that. They had the same kind of concept, but with. Our Lady, and I was kind of blown away by this. Have have you ever seen this devotion? No, I've not, but I've seen the paintings that I think reference
6: that devotion, where, you know, you'll see, um, you know, Anna and Joachim and and some attendants there, and usually there'll be angels attending. Um, So I think that's a reference to it, but I will happily go do some research on it. I appreciate you
2: bringing it up. Oh, absolutely, because I was blown away by this, and I was kind of like, I kind of want to— I, I, I try not to hop onto uh, new devotions. I try to just keep with the ones I have. But I was like very caught up with this as something so that I've, that I've just never seen before, and it was so so beautiful and 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 also kind of a little adorable. I'm kind of, the the babies are very cute. Uh, but the it's something that I thought was very good. But for sure, uh, everyone should be tuning in on Saturday because the immaculate conception, the nativity of Our Lady, what a grace! Um, where can people find out more information?
6: Well, they can just tune into the Spirit World which is our radio show uh from 11 to 12 Eastern Time on the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's also carried on the EWTN network globally. Um, so it should be easy to find in your in your your local area if, even if you can't access Guadalupe Radio Network.
2: Well, there you go. So that's 10 a.m. Central, 11 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network, Catholic Spirit Radio, and wherever you're listening this Saturday. Tune in, because Nativity of Our Lady, not very known, but should be known more, something we should be praying about. Well, thank you very much, Adam. God bless you. God love you. And we'll look forward to talking to you again. All right. Thank you, Adrian. God bless. Bye-bye. And we're going to head into our game show, so make sure you call now, 877-757-9424. That number, 877-757-9424. Do us a favor and call now, 877-757-9424. You could be a winner. Call now. We take the first caller.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support such as 1 Corinthians 10:16 which says "The cup of blessing which we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ And thirdly, my honest reflection, your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason just a whole bunch of people have told you that. I might have gone to church you know at Christmas time gradually quit going
1: went through a divorce and um ended up being a single parent and it was an easy excuse i I took the easy out and just didn't go to mass when you come home to the to the church you're coming home to a catholic family where people today just embrace you
3: i have a peace when i
1: walk through the doors of the catholic church like that's where i belong
7: if you've been away from the catholic church for whatever reason we invite you to take another look visit catholicscomehome.org today
2: 877 757 9424 that's the number to call to be part of the game show Fear and Trembling you could be a winner how do you win it's simple pick up the phone and dial 877 757 9424 and i got to say the prize this week is pretty awesome considering it is probably a very impactful prize this week so make sure you dial that number 877 877- 757 9424 now if you don't know what you're listening to if you're saying i just swish on the dial and i have no idea what's what i'm calling in for but i'll call in just tell me what i'm calling in for well if you dial 877-757-9424 and if you dial that number right now you'll be part of the fear and trembling game show now it's very simple to play even if you don't know anything about catholic trivia I guarantee you, you'll still do great. Why? Because the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions. I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And if you'll have 15 seconds of the clock, and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy,
3: what could they win? Praise be to God. This week, we're giving away a book. The Synodal Process is a Pandora's box. It's a book with a foreword by uh, uh, Cardinal Raymond Burke. And it's a wonderful uh, question and answer book on the synodal process. I know there's a lot of questions regarding what it is, what what can it be, and uh, it's how it relates to the, uh, the the Pandora's box story there, because uh, the cover on it has a Pandora's box. Anyway, the winner this week will be able to, uh, to win this book on Friday, and uh, answering three questions today puts you uh, three times into the coffee cup of divine providence.
2: And uh to sweeten
3: the pot a little
2: bit, you know if you are the winner, you let us know how many copies you would like to have uh, if you are if it's you you have a spouse that you'd like to have it, or you know there's uh, someone or' you're, some kids that you have in your house that you would like to read it as well. well, make sure that you uh, let us know and say, hey, i'll take three of those, and we'll give you those um so make sure you call in this week Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four eight seven seven. 757-9424. And also, if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, um, especially call in today because they're actually giving a talk about
3: this book in the Dallas Fort Worth area. If you'd like to learn more, reach out to me. Go ahead, Rudy. Easy question Tuesday, by the way. So if you're worried about calling and not knowing any of the answers, well, you don't need to know them anyway, because I'm gonna tell Adrian. Adrian's gonna give you the opportunity to uh to decide whether I'm telling the truth or I'm telling a lie. 1-877-757-9424 is the number to call to play the game show. And I just want to say thank you very much to the American Society for the defense of tradition, family, and property for sponsoring the game show this week.
2: Yes, absolutely. Praise be to God. Thank you very much. That number, and you could be the winner, 877 And I got to say, um, if you are listening from the El Paso area, Um, You should call in because we are brand new in that area and we'd love to hear someone from the new area. But of course, we would love to hear you from wherever you're calling in from that number 877-757-9424. Make sure you hop on that line. Um, Oh, Amarillo. I'm sorry. Uh, Rudy corrected me. Rudy's like, Amarillo, (laughs) not El Paso. I don't know why I said El Paso. Um, I've been I pretty far south. It is. pretty. It's, it's completely different. It's not even in the same. No. It's like a nine hour difference in terms of a, a driving. It's almost a different time zone. It's yeah, almost it a different be. time zone. But yes, I'm at Amarillo. Um, I, I need to go back to El Paso. I really like El Paso. They have a beautiful, beautiful weather there. Uh, but for sure, uh, thank you for everybody who called in. And let's see, um, who do we have on the line? Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Who am I speaking with? Lupita, Lupita, good good morning to you. And Abraham. Good morning, Abraham. Well, uh, praise be to God. Where are you all off to this morning?
5: Uh, We're off to work. Uh, We work at a school.
2: Oh, praise be to God. Uh, What do you all do at the school? Uh,
5: I work in the front office,
1: and and I work with the ESL kids.
3: Oh, oh! Sweet. Praise, Praise be to God. Praise so to Lupita, God. you're the you're the bouncer for the school, then. <laughs> Kinda, actually, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of.
5: <laughs>
3: well, that's pretty awesome. Kind of, uh, yeah,
5: hopefully, hopefully, I'll never have to take one for the team. But yeah.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. Well, there you go. Praise be to God, Lupita and Abraham. Um, now, are y'all familiar with the game? Y'all know how to play? Yes,
5: yeah, uh, I've called uh, before with my daughter. I think last
2: year. Perfect.
5: And so I thought i'd give it a try hopefully win the
2: book very uh, good but- very good well let's find out and um i'm i'm looking at the questions here and i gotta say rudy's right it's all easy question tuesday and so we. Totally. it i think y'all have a very good chance all right let's begin rudy question for you the question on the board comforting the afflicted Mm-hmm. And bearing wrongs
3: patiently mm-hmm. are two of these things. What are they? Those are spiritual works of mercy.
2: Spiritual works of mercy. I've never heard of these things. You mean
3: the corporal works of mercy? Yeah, I know you've never heard of these things either. Uh-huh. I know. You know. You know bearing You've never You've wrongs never patiently. You've never comforted, you've never bore my wrongs patiently
2: you never comfort me dude i certainly have never comforted you i'm like dude get over it move on it's okay why are you why you still caught up on this whole thing (laughs) (laughs) all right lupita and abraham 15 seconds on the clock the question is comforting the afflicted and bearing wrongs patiently are two of these things what are they what say you lupita and abraham uh rudy seems to think it's the spiritual works of mercy what say you that would be correct. That would be correct. Well, let's find out. Let's check the phone. And that is, in fact, correct. Uh, way to go, Lupita. And Abraham, he could not trick you, despite the fact that he gave you the right answer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> spiritual works of mercy. Very well. then People don't know them. People don't know them. They know the corporate works of mercy. They don't know the spiritual ones. So that's very good. Y'all did great. Are you ready for question number two? All right. All right. Let's jump into question number two, then. Question number two for you, Rudy. Mm-hmm. So you know that guy um, by the name of Cain? <laughs> Some guy. Some guy. You know? His name is Cain. You know him? You, you friends with him? Yeah, like the chicken guy, right? The chi- oh, yeah. Raising Cain's? Kane? No, that's actually his dog. Oh. Yeah. Cain's was his dog. Um, that's a side note. I'm not going to go down that
3: road. Cain, <laughs> uh, what was his motive for killing his brother, Abel? All right. So you know... You have brothers and sisters. I have brothers and sisters. I well, do. I have sisters. I do have brothers and sisters. And spiritual brothers. Well, you know how you, you leave some leftovers in the fridge and I've, you intend to eat them later, yes. but then your brother or sister oh, comes and eats them? I'm already angry. Okay, well, Cain, he wanted the first fruits. Uh-huh. He said, Abel, let me have some of those. Abel was like, okay, sure, I'll set some aside. And then he offered them to God instead. What? Yeah, so he killed them. Wow. Tragic.
2: You know, I'm I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, I see red sometimes whenever uh, I walk. I open my fridge, and I had a delicious meal sitting there, and I was going to eat it later. And I reach in, and what do I grab? An empty plate, because they not only ate it, but they put the plate put back the in plate empty. Back. And I'm like, What is wrong with you, people. What's wrong with you? Anyway, I, I'm not going to. Um, I'm bearing wrongs patiently. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lupita and Abraham, 15 seconds on the clock. What was Cain's motive for killing his brother Abel? Well, Rudy says it's because Abel decided to offer his first fruits to God whenever Cain was actually going to eat them. So what say you, Lupita and Abraham? I felt
5: you with the comparison,
2: so we're going to say yes. You're going to say yes. Are you Are you sure you're going to go with yes? Uh, no, no, what not? Uh, um no okay they're gonna go with no let's uh, the survey (laughs) says that is correct uh the reason is jealousy it was out of jealousy because god accepted abel envy
1: right
2: yeah envy envy would also also be correct answer because abel's uh, sacrifice was accepted and cain was not and he was like um i'm peanut butter and jelly what about me I don't get that. What is jelly? That mean? Oh, Jealous. okay. I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lupita <laughs> and Abraham, are you ready for question number three? Yes. Yeah. All right. I gotta say, this might be the hardest question we've ever had on the history of Catholic Drive Time, and I've never said that before—not once, ever, not not even not even yesterday. All right, Rudy. The question is: What percentage of beeswax can't? Uh, blah blah blah. I can't say words. What percentage? Of beeswax must all candles which are used during the mass be? <laughs>
3: you get it? b be? the beeswax. Uh, 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 so if they're okay, if they're being used for the mass, yes, correct. They have to be sixty-three percent. Sixty-three. Yes, it's very specific number. Yeah, and I actually don't have a reason why
2: it's sixty-three mm-hmm. percent. Because six plus three equals nine, and nine is one more than eight. That's true. Yeah. That made sense, right? And seventy-nine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lupita and Abraham. Fifteen seconds on the clock. The question is, what percentage of beeswax must all candles which are used during the mass be? Um, well, Rudy seems to think it is sixty-three percent. What say you? Is he right or is he wrong? Uh, I thought it was sixty-two.
4: That's not too easy. <laughs> so you're
2: gonna say no. <laughs> um. All right. Let's see. Survey
3: says
2: (laughs) that is correct. Way to go. Lupita and Abraham. It is, I think it's 51%. I think 51% is the bare minimum has to be majority. So very good. Lupita and Abraham, y'all did awesome. Make sure you stay on the line so we can get your contact information. Should we draw your name out on Friday? It can send you the price. Okay. Thank y'all
5: so much. Thank you. Absolutely. God bless you.
2: God love you. And we're going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you could join us in the after show. Well, we're on YouTube. That's about it. Having a little bit of technical difficulties uh, with our new studio. Still working out some kinks. Uh, Pray for us. I would be very grateful. But if you could join us on YouTube, hop on. Just look up Catholic Drive Time on YouTube and you could join us in the after show. And I'd love to interact with you there. Make sure you do that, and we'd love to have you. If not, we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia, alleluia. Now, God bless you, and may Mary Immaculate keep you under her mantle.
0: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time
2: And we're back.
7: The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Holy Mass live at Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the soul community. Today we celebrate the memorial of the Passion of St. John the Baptist. The intention for today's Mass is for all of us who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio and for all here present.
5: Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore, His sacred name. Come, brethren, follow where our captain trod, our King victorious, Christ the Son of God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim. Till all the world adore his sacred name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit,
7: the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. May almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting
5: life. Kyrie
1: eleison.
5: Christe eleison.
7: Let us pray. O God, who willed that St. John the Baptist should go ahead of your Son, both in his birth and in his death, grant that, as he died a martyr for truth and justice, we too might fight hard for the confession of what you teach. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.
8: A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our reception among you was not without effect. Rather, after we had suffered and been assimilately treated, as you know in Philippi, we drew courage through our God to speak to you the gospel of God with much struggle. Our exhortation was not from delusion or impure motives, nor did it work through deception. But as we were judged worthy by God to be entrusted with the gospel, this is how we speak, not as trying to please men, but rather God who judges our hearts. Nor indeed did we ever appear with flattering speech, as you know, or with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek praise from men, either from you or from others, although we were able to impose our weight as apostles of Christ. Rather, we were gentle among you, as a nursing mother cares for her children. With such affection for you, we were determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves as well, so dearly beloved had you become to us. The word of the Lord. You have searched me and you know me, Lord. You have searched me and you know me, Lord. O Lord, you have probed me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. My journeys and my rest you scrutinize. With all my ways you are familiar. You have searched me and you know me, Lord. Even before a word is on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, you know the whole of it. Behind me and before you hem me in and rest your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. You searched me and you know me, Lord.
5: Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia.
1: Alleluia.
5: Alleluia. Alleluia. The Word of God is living and effective, able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Alleluia. Alleluia. Hallelujah.
7: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Herod was the one who had John the Baptist arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, yet he liked to listen to him. She had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military officers, and the leading men of Galilee. Herodias' own daughter came in and performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, Ask of me whatever you wish, and I will grant it to you. He even swore many things to her. I will grant you whatever you ask of me, even to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? She replied, The head of John the Baptist. The girl hurried back to the king's presence and made her request, "'I want you to give me at once, on a platter, the head of John the Baptist.' The king was deeply distressed, but because of his oaths and the guests, he did not wish to break his word to her. So he promptly dispatched an executioner with orders to bring back his head. He went off and beheaded him in the prison. He brought in the head on a platter and gave it to the girl.' The girl, in turn, gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We take that first reading from the day and the Gospel from the memorial, because when you put these two readings next to each other, they could not contrast more. Look at Paul who goes out to the Thessalonians, wanting to give his very self. But he comes not with great words, not with a lot of, uh, not of worldly wisdom, but simply the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, No, I did not come appear with flattering speech or with a pretext for greed. God is my witness, nor do we speak pra- seek praise from men either from you or from others, although we were able to impose our weight as apostles of Christ. Now compare Paul going into Thessalonica with Herod. All the political maneuvering, you know, he wants to try to get out of this situation. I remember our founder, Father, Father Flanagan, telling a story. I think he went to speaking to some school children, and he asked them, you know, what, if you were in Herod's position, what would you do? You know, and one of the kids raised her hand. Says, "Well, I would tell, I would tell the girl that uh, John the Baptist is not in that half of the kingdom I was going to give to you, <laughs> some way of of escape." But of course, Herod, because of you know people's opinion, uh, because he really does not live in the truth, he's perplexed when he hears it. He likes something to hear it because he knows it pierces into his heart. But at the same time, he's, he wants to sort of put John the Baptist away. But he doesn't live in the truth. And that's what John came to really proclaim, the truth to him. You can't have your brother's wife. It's unlawful. It's not pleasing to God. And he didn't want to hear much about it, and certainly Herodias was the one, uh, his, his brother's wife whom he would married, is the one who really harbored this grudge. But the difference is that St. Paul comes just in this, very humble way, so not flattery speech. Think of all the flattery that must have gone on in Herod's court, you know, trying to get his favor, or he's even trying to court the, the favor of those who were most or very prominent in his kingdom, trying to hold on to power. And Paul comes in a very different way, uh, in a way despoiled, wanting to give himself completely. Let's thank God for St. John the Baptist for his witness. When you look at the Gospels, particularly the in- infancy narratives in the Gospel of Luke, there's, you, when you sort of compare and contrast Jesus and John, on the one hand, they are very similar. John is the one, of course, who proclaims the truth. He's going to give his life for it, not in the same way as Jesus, but they're very similar. In fact, everybody, many people thought that John the Baptist was the Messiah. He sort of fit the bill, the picture. And yet they couldn't be farther apart from each other because one is God <laughs> and the other really is his precursor trying to point to him. The one who doesn't even have, who's not even worthy to, to unfasten the sandals on the Messiah's feet. And But John really knew in a his place and he bears witness for us to be bold in proclaiming the truth, especially today. To know that gift of fortitude that God gives to us to proclaim the truth even when it's not popular, even when it's going to be difficult for us. Let us ask John the Baptist to have that courage, the courage he had to bear witness always to the truth, even if it means giving our life in witness for Jesus. Let us bring our prayers before our Heavenly Father. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his spiritual and physical needs. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for the leaders of the Church and all the members of the Church, that through the intercession of St. John the Baptist, we may proclaim with courage and fortitude the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for all those who govern us, that they may Listen diligently to the inspirations of God. Follow his word and enact laws that always respect life. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who are sick and who are suffering, who are in need of our prayers and our our comfort, let us ask that the Lord would heal them in their faith and give them strength in their sufferings. Let us pray to the Lord. For the intentions of those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, those here present, those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, let us pray to the Lord. And for all who have died, the holy souls in purgatory, let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, hear the prayers we bring before you this day. We, we know that you always hear our prayers and answer them according to your holy will, through Christ our Lord. fruit of the vine and work of human hands it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice of yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Through these offerings which we bring bring you, O Lord, grant that we may make straight your paths, as taught by that voice crying in, in the desert, Saint John the Baptist, who powerfully sealed his teaching by the shedding of his blood through Christ our
5: Lord. The Lord be with you. With Lift up your hearts. let us give thanks to the lord our god it is truly right and just our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks lord holy father almighty and eternal god through christ our lord in his precursor saint john the baptist we praise your great glory FOR YOU CONSECRATED HIM FOR A SINGULAR HONOR AMONG THOSE BORN OF WOMEN. HIS BIRTH BROUGHT GREAT REJOICING, EVEN IN THE WOMB HE LEAPT FOR JOY AT THE COMING OF HUMAN SALVATION. HE ALONE OF ALL THE PROPHETS POINTED OUT THE LAMB OF REDEMPTION. And to make holy the flowing waters, he baptized the very author of baptism and was privileged to bear him supreme witness by the shedding of his blood. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth and before your majesty without end we acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abaho, Pleni sunt et Terra, Gloria tua. Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in Domine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again.
7: Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. John the Baptist, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, through whom you bestow in the world
5: all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen.
7: But a suffrage of the sign of peace.
5: Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, misere redemptis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi. Miserere nobis Padmius Dei Quittolis peccata mundi Dona nobis pace Behold
7: the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, commonly spiritually into my heart, I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, as we celebrate the heavenly birth of St. John the Baptist, that we may revere for what it signifies the saving sacrament we have received, and even more, may rejoice at its clear effect in us through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
5: Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things have...
3: St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle.
8: Thy peace always, in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
6: Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
1: This is their Holy Family homeschool.